This week, we have two interviews. First, we welcome DJ Sampath, co-founder and CEO at Armor Blocks, to discuss securing the human layer. Then we welcome Bruce Sussman, Media Development Director from Secure World, to give us a preview of Secure World Boston. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash PSW. Active Countermeasures, make every analyst a hunter. How much confidence do you have in your security program? TrustedSec is a global information security consulting firm created by Dave Kennedy with some of the industry's most respected professionals. Their team works collaboratively with your company to improve security regardless of its current maturity level. TrustedSec offers an ever-growing list of customized services including red and purple teaming, software and hardware security, incident response, PCI, and risk and maturity assessments. You can visit trustedsec.com forward slash security weekly to learn how TrustedSec can become an extension of your team. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer's sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 119, recorded February 25th, 2019. I am your host, Matt Alderman, here in Colorado, joined by my co-host, Paul Asadorian in G-Unit Studio in Rhode Island. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's good to be here today. Excited about this episode um, and all episodes that we do here this week, but this one's uh, going to be a lot of fun. I was just looking over the agenda, and I like it a lot. Yeah, and welcome back, by the way. I, I hope you had a good break. I did. We did lots of, you know, lots of kid stuff, some house stuff, uh, some troubleshooting of my house stuff. I, it's like everything in my house breaks, dude. I, I don't understand what it is, but like my dishwasher's not working right, my HVAC unit's still having issues, and it's weird. I get kind of creeped out because like troubleshooting those things are the same process that I go through to troubleshoot you know, networks and systems and security things. Uh, so there might be a segment or two coming up on, on troubleshooting. <laughs> At least you were home when it broke and you don't have to go back home when you're in the studio. This is true. This is true. And, you know, I, I think now I could probably, with uh, a little more work, become an HVAC repairman. Uh, so I've got that as a fallback, you know, in case this doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, just in case. But I, let, let, let's not <laughs> let's not jinx ourselves too quickly here. <laughs> All right. Ocean is hosting Rhode Island Cybersecurity Exchange Day on March 13th at the O'Hare Academic Building at Salve Regina in Newport, Rhode Island. Register now at ocean.org, O-S-H-E-A-N dot O-R-G forward slash events. 
Also, join us April 1st to 3rd at Disney's Contemporary Resort for InfoSec World 2019. Visit infosecworld.misty.com forward slash security dash weekly and use the registration code OS19 dash secweek for 15% off the main conference or world pass. We will be recording at InfoSec World 2019. If you are interested in booking an interview or briefing with Security Weekly, please visit securityweekly.com forward slash conference request to learn more. All right, let's start with interview number one. DJ Sampath is the co-founder and chief executive officer at Armor Blocks. Prior to Armor Blocks, he was a VP of engineering and the founding team member of StackRocks. DJ was senior research scientist at Deutsche Telekom Labs, where he was responsible for the secure digital transformation of telcos to a cloud-native software-defined stack. Prior to that, he was at Juniper Networks and introduced machine-driven classification to the unified threat management platform. DJ, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for having me, Matt and, uh, and Paul. Super excited to be here. DJ, so when, um, a, sorry, I, it's just uh, reading your background. Um, uh, yeah. One of my first jobs early on, we were talking about firewalls just earlier. I was a NetScreen firewall engineer. Were you at oh, Juniper wow. when the acquisition uh, took place back in the day? I, I was there right after. Um, you know, in fact, the um, the boxes that I worked on were NetScreen boxes that had, you know, one of my jobs was to sort of like combine those operating systems. You know, um, trying to take the uh, the Juno's operating system and the NetScreen operating system, trying to combine them into yep. uh, into a single single operating system. So yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I, I worked on the NetScreen, uh, you know, Net, NetScreen devices. So oh, I that's know what awesome. you're talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I managed them for a, a pretty large university, actually. We had some of the higher-end uh, net screen gear. The one that looked like a mini refrigerator that came off of a <laughs> spaceship. You remember that one? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was like... Right. That's right. They turned into... Yeah. yeah, they were the SRX 3000 3, series. Uh, that's what they morphed into uh, on the Juniper side. Yeah, yeah. But when they were net screen, it did, really did look like a, a mini fridge, but it looked like it came off some kind of alien spacecraft. And it was it was awesome. It was really cool. That was okay. where I started doing a lot of firewall stuff. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the some of the net screen boxes were definitely um, you know, awesome to look at. Cool. Yeah, in, in DJ and I have this interesting uh, overlap history a little bit as well. I mean, in information security, you're only one or two degrees of separation away. Forget the Kevin Bacon six yeah. degrees of separation. That's way <laughs> too far. Um, DJ was at uh, Stack Rocks when I was at Layered yeah. Insight. We competed in the container security space. Melinda Marks, mm. who, Paul, you, you used to work with at Tenable with mm -hmm. us, um, is also now over at Armor Blocks and was formerly at StackRock. So there's a oh, there there's a lot of connections here on on this interview segment. It's awesome. Absolutely, um, Melinda, uh, you know, helped us just come out of stealth, and um, and she's phenomenal. She's a she's a force to reckon with. Yeah, definitely. I agree. She she's learned from some some good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, and and she she does. She always makes sure that uh, you know she you know she attributes it to uh, to you, Matt. You know, and she's had a phenomenal experience working with you. <laughs> they're all lies. They're all lies. So th <laughs> for this segment, we want to talk about securing the human layer. And and what's interesting about Armor Blocks, uh, we'll talk here about the problem and stuff. Is we talk a lot about machine learning and artificial intelligence. A lot of people throw those terms around. But you're actually leveraging aspects of artificial intelligence, specifically natural 
learning, understanding to actually solve some very specific cases in the infosec space. And so what I want to start with a little bit is kind of the problem statement. You know, what, what kind of problem are we still facing? And then we can talk a little bit about how natural learning understanding actually fits into helping solve aspects of those problems. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so, so I'll, I'll dive into the, uh, the context of itself, right? One of the, um, you know, right after stack runs, I was looking at what is a more, you know, what is an interesting problem to, to get out there and solve and, um, and, and had over 300 plus conversations with, you know, CIOs and CISOs and, you know, um, and security analysts. And then I asked them, Hey, what is a real problem that you're facing that, that I could go help solve next, you know? And, uh, and as I was going through that exercise, people, you know, I, I, they came up with with a whole lot of different problems, right? They talked about, hey, I've still got a phishing problem. You know, this is 2017, and I still got a phishing problem. I've still got a spear phishing attack. Socially engineered emails are coming in. Um, uh, the problems with, you know, uh, protecting merger and acquisition information. So, so when you know they're, they're talking about insider threats from you know in regulated industries, and they talked about, you know, hey, I've got a data loss, you know, DLP problem because you know, hey, look at Levendovsky walking away with. You know, with data, how can we prevent that? And so, when I heard all of these things, you know, there was this, um, you know, I, basically me and I mean Anand, my co-founder, uh, who's the chief product officer, we we put the whole thing up on a board and we said, hey, how, you know, what is what is the connective thread across all of these things that we're seeing? And um, and we had our moment of epiphany when 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 we looked at all of that, and it was basically that ninety percent of enterprise data is largely textual today. Whether it's in emails, in documents, in um, in Slack messaging, whatever whatever you're using for messaging or or confluence, it's it's textual information that's stored inside of the enterprises. And enterprise security solutions have largely been very un unintelligent about about textual data. Right? They don't understand textual data because there's always a a focus on trying to do something really fast at wireline speeds. So they're they're trying to turn that into signatures. They're trying to turn it into a shard 256 or a um, you know or or an MD5 sum. And so when and we all know, and especially you know, uh, you know, Paul can and, and assert to this point about um, you know uh, he, he's an audiophile. We just talked about that. You know, anytime you compress something, you're losing fidelity of information. You're losing some quality. And uh, and with textual information, when you compress it into a signature, you just lost the ability to reason about it. And, um, and, and so when, when we said, hey, listen, if we could bring in this new signal, the signal that allows you to reason about textual data into the enterprise security stack, we may be able to help. We may be able to help all of our customers, all of the conversations that we have uh, from, you know, when we talk to all of these folks, um, we might be able to move the needle for them even by just a little bit. And that's sort of how, you know, you know, we sort of saw the problem and we felt like, you know, um, we could bring that new signal. And, uh, and, and on that new signal, we're, we're calling that the natural language understanding or NLU. And, and if you have used, um, you know, Google Home or Alexa or Siri in the recent past, you've been using natural language understanding, you know, and, and it's getting commoditized in a, in a whole lot of different segments. Uh, but we observed that uh, when it came to cybersecurity, this was missing. And, and that's really what we're bringing to the table. Right. So where we've pr primarily been focused on metadata, you're actually talking about the actual contextual data itself, which is a little different because uh, by understanding that context, we can start to reason about how data is either being used 
correctly or incorrectly. And I think that's where these um, artificial intelligence aspects of the natural language understanding start to come in to say, because I understand the contextual information of the actual data itself and not some metadata components, I can start to reason differently than I have to say, well, should I allow somebody to have access to that data or allow that data to move, which is which is unique, I think, in, in the space? Right, I mean, uh, you're, you're spot on. I think, uh, I think the way we sort of, um, you know, um, when we started digging into the, the core pieces of the, the technology stack to see how would we you know, enable this, um, deep learning had gone through an inflection point. You know, um, if you were to fast forward any rollback, you know, um, rewind to about um, you know, six or seven years ago, there was this moment of renaissance that happened for, um, uh, for images. Deep learning, when it was applied to images, could do image recognition pretty seamlessly. You know, that's sort of how, you know, you're automatically tagged when you show up on Facebook. Now, even if you're ducking behind and, and you really don't want your picture to be taken, Facebook can still classify and say, hey, Matt, is it really you in the back? And, uh, and that was because, it, you know, uh, deep learning evolved to the point where it could recognize images. A similar moment of renaissance happened for textual information, textual data. Um, and, and that happened about roughly about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and that's really what's gotten us excited because now we've got the capability of being able to fundamentally reimagine policies, you know, from the ground up. What does it mean? What does a policy really mean? A policy is basically trying to enforce, you know, a, a rule or, or saying, hey, here's what we think needs to happen, right? And, and to your point, Matt, when you said that, hey, you can now start reasoning about data, about data moving across boundaries, we can now do that by asking a simple question, you know, posting, using machine comprehension or, you know, code reference resolution. These are natural language understanding techniques and NLP techniques. That, that we're now applying using deep learning to, to automatically you know, label data, process data, and, uh, and, and, and make it so that, that we can reason with it. Right, and then from a, from a rules perspective, right? I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges here is behavior, right? Understanding normal and abnormal behavior, which then implies a set of potential rules like allow or disallow that then get built into a policy. And I think one of the challenges for everybody is how do I set these things up? If I'm, you know, if I have to manually go out and set this stuff up, it takes a long time to set up. How do you address like the learning aspects of building out different policies and different rule sets that allow organizations easier to decide yay or nay, whether I want to enforce that or not? You know, that's, that's a fantastic question. And I think, you know, uh, and, and this is what we learned in our, you know, in our quest to understand what our customers want. You know, one of the, one of our sort of um, central focuses has been to, to build a product uh, which has, you know, dollops of user empathy uh, as, as we sort of go through the, uh, the product design process. We want to make sure that user empathy is at the center of that process. And, uh, and, and, and to be able to achieve that, uh, you know, we went and asked customers, hey, how do you, how do you deploy your policies today? Right, and uh, and it was fascinating, you know, listening to to to, to some of the stories. Um, you know, um, they said, "Hey, I'm, I'm I typically forward an email that says you got to do this you know, to my security team. My security team then goes ahead and files a ticket, and then um, somebody picks up that ticket, works on trying to create a regular expression uh, that matches exactly against what we're seeing, 
test it out, deploy it, and that whole cycle, you know, just takes forever. You know, in a very well-oiled machine, uh, a security team that's functioning at peak efficiency, that's about uh, a week or ten days. And um, and, in, and in most of the uh, situations that we talked to, the, the security organizations was not about oil machine because it was they, they were fighting fires across the board, and it was really really hard for them to you know manage all of these finer details. And so. We sat back and we said, how could we make this easier? How could we make this easy for, you know, for organizations to deploy a policy? And uh, and we came up with this mechanism where we said, hey, listen, we don't want users to sort of learn your workforce. We're going to let them do exactly what they were doing. Let them go ahead, forward an email. You know? and, and we use our natural language understanding engine to parse that email, understand the context, and uh, and automatically look for keywords, look for you know, um, look for semantic representations of what that email is talking about. Look at all of the. In addition to looking at the content and the context, we also look at that metadata because we believe that's important. But but then once we understand that, we create and craft a policy and we put it up on the screen saying, "Hey, would you like to turn this policy on?" We want to make it really simple for for an admin to be able to say, okay, that policy looks right. I'm just going to hit a thumbs up to turn that policy on or a thumbs down to turn the policy off. And, uh, and we make it you know, incredibly easy to click on that policy or edit a couple of fields if you wanted to tweak it. Um, because you know, most of us, as you know, uh, like to tweak things and adjust things. So, so we give that capability as well. But, uh, but we wanted to reduce the amount of effort that goes into crafting these policies. And that's really one of our, one of our key goals as part of our um, ArmaBlocks platform. DJ, what's the, the most common use case for uh, you know, preventing something bad from happening? Is it intellectual property theft? Is it phishing? Is it like, what's the most common use case? No, I mean, that, that's great. So we, we are, we're focused on, we, when we started out, we said, hey, let's, let's look at you know, um, you know, stopping BETs, you know, business email compromise, uh, because that was really one of those um, you know, inflection points in sort of going after this problem was, you know, it, was a, it was a conversation with uh, uh, you know, uh, with one of Hillary Clinton's campaign managers, Robbie Mook, and uh, we're talking about how you know um, the you know email security was fundamentally broken, and um, and digging into the uh, you know some of the uh, some of the situations that happened before, um, we understood that a lot of a lot of the types of attacks are showing up right now are, are largely socially engineered, right? And um, and to be able to you know protect. Um, people from social engineered attacks, we needed to understand and reason about that textual data. That's really what got us excited about this mission. And that's, you know, and here we are. And as we went to customers, customers sort of saw a lot more applications and use cases. You know, they, they definitely appreciated the, uh, you know, our efforts to stop BC, but they said, hey, wait a minute, I really can, uh, you know, see this use case of DLP, you know, um, and to your point about intellectual theft, you know, it's like being able to recognize core IP of my organization being shared to other vendors. Um, can you please help detect that? Or, you know, can you please help um, do uh, e-discovery, which was the, uh, you know, an additional use case that, that came up when we went to customers where they were going through a lawsuit and we had to pull out, you know, emails from archives to be able to understand the context of communications that could be provided to the general counsel. Um, in the case of the lawsuit. So, so the use cases largely we're focusing on at this point are, you know, our email, trying to make sure that, um, you know, we understand email communications, stopping BECs, uh, focusing on data loss prevention by understanding what's inside of emails or documents or, you know, any form of communications, textual communications that's happening inside of the enterprises. And then finally, you know, um, going into other uh, aspects of being able to uh, recognize content and, and, and helping, you know, building remediation workflows around that. 
And DJ, I would say probably one of the greatest advantages is in this sense, you're not just looking at what comes from the outside or what's communicating with the internet. This also works for inter-office communications as well, which is sometimes a limitation in some of these defensive technologies to messaging. No, absolutely true. In fact, there's a, you know, one of our, one of the customers that we're working with right now, um, they had this, this use case where they were, they were actively engaged with um, you know, multiple vendors that they were talking to. And, and they have non-disclosure agreements with, uh, you know, with some of these vendors, which, and these vendors compete, you know, in the open market, they compete with each other. But uh, a lot of times bigger vendors have to work across the board with them. And, um, and, and so they, they have these very you know, specific requirements and that information not be shared with the, uh, with the other party. And, um, and this is entirely internal. And, um, and, and it turns out one of the emails leaked out to the, to the party and, and you know, it caused a lot of conflict among all of these folks. And so and that's one of the use cases that we are solving today for um, you know, one of these you know, big Fortune 100 companies. Uh, we are actually you know, preventing, creating that, that sort of wall by looking at the content and the context because it's incredibly hard to write a regular expression or, or detect patterns across all of these intellectual properties. And this works beyond just email communication as well, correct? That is correct. You know, we're, we started out with emails, but we've already expanded to documents. Today, we, we analyze documents uh, both in your archive, in your OneDrive, in your, in your Google Drive, depending on which stack you pick. And, um, and we're, we're, we're focused on expanding the integrations. We already have Box, uh, Dropbox, and uh, placing um, all of these on a roadmap as we continue integrating down into the, uh, the top uh, you know, SaaS stack that, that you're using inside of the enterprise. I, I really, my prediction is that that's going to be a lot more popular because if you think of it from an attacker's perspective, email security, we've put a lot of effort into email security, right? And we've trained a lot of our users to spot the things in email security. So it becomes somewhat difficult to spoof someone's identity in email because of all of the, you know, MX technologies that exist in mail exchangers today. And because we've trained our users, hey, if you get an email, like just go look at the address and, you know, like my brother-in-law just told me about an email he got. And he's like, yeah, I want it. it seemed kind of weird, but it could be plausible. But when I looked at the email address, it was clearly someone that I didn't recognize and not from the organization. Um, but when we look at things like Slack or Facebook Messenger or any of these other messaging technologies, some of them are pretty easy to spoof your identity, right? Barring any uh, vulnerabilities right. that could let me even more easily spoof an identity, like OAuth, for example. That's right. That, you know, you're spot on. I think you know, um, that, that's a very keen observation. I think um, the way we sort of uh, approach this problem is by looking at uh, writing styles. You know, the, the study of writing styles is called stylometry. And, um, and, and stylometry allows you to understand how somebody signs off. Like, for instance, if you're signing off your emails with good night or good luck, or you have a specific style of communication when you're on Slack, um, you know, we're looking at constantly all of those features to recognize, you know, are, are you the, you know, are, is there any significant change in your writing style when you're communicating? You know, this really helps when you're thinking about account takeovers, right? You know, if there's an ATO that happens and somebody's writing to you from one of their accounts, you know, you can, you could sense that, hey, you know, this person's writing style is, is fundamentally different. In fact, I know we're using similar techniques that Google's using to automatically complete emails. If you've recently used Gmail, yeah. uh, all you got to do is to keep hitting tabs and then it composes the entire email for you. Um, we're using similar techniques to be able to understand and look in your archives and see, you know, how does Paul write an email or how does Paul communicate on Slack and leverage those techniques to be able to say, okay, here's, here's a, here's the elementary profile, behavioral profile 
for uh, you know for, for the way Paul writes. Now, now with that in mind, I just wanted to add one more thing about email attacks, though. Um, uh, most recently, even uh, you know, there was a there was an email that went into um, you know went from pretending to be uh, a Sequoia Capital reaching out, but that replaced the uh, I believe the Q with a G that sounded like Sequoia Capital, and this is out in the news. Um, so LPs that that didn't know better when they saw the email. Um, it, it's really hard, you know. You know, uh, when you're looking at something on a mobile phone, um, you can't tell quite tell the difference, you know, when it comes to display name spoofs. And uh, and a lot of times, people are sending emails from, um, you know, their personal Gmail accounts. They're communicating from something at right. gmail.com, and um, and it, it gets really hard because you don't know if that's their personal Gmail account. And and people start responding, asking questions. Even if we train them, even if we get them to a point where there's they, their their senses go off, the spidey senses go off. They, they respond back and they say, hey, um, are you sure you are who you are? That information is enough for them to give them recon you know, capabilities, right? Uh, in the kill chain, they already made progress at that point because they're now looking at your signatures. How do you sign off? What are the images that you use? So when you play that, they, they leverage, send, that, send an email to your executive assistant pretending to be you, you know, with that signature, with that response. And, um, and so... So it, we're seeing a lot of it, you know, still in emails because unfortunately the world is still run by emails. You know, it's the second largest peer-to-peer protocol right after DNS. But uh, but you're right, the the world is evolving. We're going to see a lot more very interesting things on Slack and documents and, and a whole lot of other types of communications that happen inside of the organization. Mm. Now, this technique, I think, applies beyond kind of the initial use cases, right? I mean, as we think about the evolution of where technology is going and the trends, you know, we talk a lot about aspects of what becomes the new perimeter, right? We as humans, our communication, and also what we're accessing, the applications, right? And so as we think about this new world we're moving to where the, the user, the application, and even the transmission of data... I assume the ability to understand context and content around all those different aspects are something that natural language understanding could eventually apply into as well. No, absolutely. You know, um, it's actually pretty much into, you know, our our goal is we can either understand, you know, how enterprises communicate and how they how they sort of, um, you know, store data and, and share data inside of the organizations. You know, um, our goal is to be able to build on top of that. You know, we're starting with textual data because that's sort of where we see that the biggest pain point. But, um, but, but, uh, you know, our goal is to be able to expand beyond that. You know, as we continue going moving forward, um, you know, we would, you know, we would sort of start communi- you know, uh, consuming newer feeds of information. Right. Um, we're going to start consuming um, pretty much, you know. Any type of data that's going in and out, um, any type of um, you know voice, you know um, data that's being shared, um, and, and leverage that to like you know do the transcoding and then convert it into um, into textual information that we could then analyze. And then if we were to see videos, we would probably use you know change our you know, the way we're doing our, our our deep learning to to sort of go move into sort of CNNs using um, convolutional neural networks to understand images as well. And say, hey, here's what you know. This is a blueprint that you know of the uh, of something that you're working on that you are sharing with somebody else, um, or this is uh, in a confidential information, or even using OCRs. And a lot of times, people take pictures of documents and share them as a photograph so that you know it doesn't flag using you know, regular expressions. So being able to do all of that stuff is definitely something that 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 we will do. We will we leverage a natural language understanding platform and and the context platform to be able to understand. Hey, here's here's the context of this information being shared. 
and uh, you know, and so that we don't flag. And one of the big themes of this is to not flag uh, or send out alerts when it's not important. So if you're sharing a picture of um, you know of a dog, or you're sharing a picture of uh, you know a party that and a bunch of folks taking a selfie, and you're sharing that across, that is not core intellectual property. You know, being able to recognize that and saying, hey, I'm not going to send an alert for that. Whereas I'm going to send an alert if you're sharing, you know, confidential content. Now that's really, you know, trying to improve that 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 workflow is one of our key goals. Does this capability become more um, as an underlying component of of security of the future? I mean, we like I said, we've heard a lot about machine learning, artificial intelligence, but we've seen very few systems that leverage it. Is NLU a, a base component? Are there other things in artificial intelligence that will give us additional capabilities to solve bigger and harder problems? No, I mean, I think I think that's you know that, that's a fantastic question. Um, we we definitely see um, NLU sort of being applied across the stack. You know, if you think about you know the way we sort of think about signals uh, in, in here at Armablox is that anytime there's been a, a new signal that has been a, a category creating. Uh, company that has come along and, and then solved that problem. You know, if you think about the, the lower layers of the stack, it was really, um, you know, it started out with operating system and, and, and um, you know, file system and memory, right? And, and the new signal was basically, you know, looking at files, inodes, and looking at memory signals and whatnot. And then you had all of the EDR companies like you know, Tanium, Carbon Black. And then on top of that, you really had, um, you know, you had the network layer where the new signal was really the packets and the protocols, you know, with HTTP, with UDP, you know, well, each one of these protocols allowed you to sort of look at things differently. And you had companies like Palo Alto Networks coming in and saying, hey, um, look at the, uh, the the application identification and solving a very, very pressing problem that are building that category. And, and if you go all the way back, you know, up, you know, there's, there's virtualization, there's a brand new signal on top. And then on top of it was really the, um, you know, the applications that are using the cloud. And so you have the CASB category. We believe we're, we're solving a brand new sort of, you know, a new problem. We're bringing a brand new signal called the natural language understanding on the top. And, um, and and we're 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 focused on understanding the human layer now. Um, and if you think about it across all of these layers at the bottom, um, you know, while they're important, you know, from a defense and depth perspective, they really are reflecting, truly reflecting how human beings are communicating on the top. And so, um, so, so we sort of see this as working across the board, you know, across every single um, in a signal that you're that you are leveraging, and uh, and we, you know, we sort of see ourselves growing and enabling all of these solutions, supercharging the you know, security investments that that CISOs are making, you know, across the stack. Got it. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to watch how this these new techniques and uh, are are going to play out and how they help us solve some of these problems in in a better, unique way that we've, you know, traditionally never had access to because, you know, we traditionally came from a very, you know, um, signature-based world. This is a whole new level of capabilities that we've never really had at our fingertips, which could really change the way we protect and secure not only people, but data and and other aspects of of the stack. Uh, Paul, do you have any more questions for DJ? Uh, I do not. All right, DJ, thank you for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Paul. You're welcome. Thank you, DJ. If anyone wants to learn more about ArmorBlocks next week at RSA conference, please visit armorblocks.com forward slash RSA dash event to register for their party. We'll take a quick break and then welcome Bruce Sussman for interview number two.